Welcome to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast for anyone looking to stop letting life get in the way and start crushing bold goals. I'm your host, Sarah Mayer, and I'm thrilled to navigate this journey with you because it's time to start boldly achieving without working double time. So let's dive in. Hello, Bold Goal Crushers. I am super excited today about our guest. You know how when you set those goals and you think you know what you want to do with life, but then life throws you a curveball? Well, we're going to hear all about that today and how you may land in where you're really supposed to be. So since 2010, Anne McCauley Lopez has been a professional writer focused on small and medium-sized businesses. And in September 2020, she launched Agency Content Writer, which is focused on creating content for digital marketing agency clients. And her specialties include writing for financial services, real estate, home services, travel, and legal service clients. And in December 2021, she published her first book, We Don't Get to Ring the Bell, My CML Story. She's been featured in Entrepreneur, Trendsetters, Arizona Republic, Elephant Journal, and Thrive Global. And she's a graduate of the University of Connecticut with a BA in economics. And she found her love of words from a very early age and made it her passion as a business. And I am so excited to have you here today on the podcast. Thank you, Sarah. It's so great to see you. I know we've been running in the same circles for a few years. I was honored when you invited me to be on your podcast. Yeah, I love it. Now, in full disclosure, everyone, I have known Anne, oh, for many years, probably since 2009 or so. That's when I landed in Phoenix, and I know I quickly was introduced to Anne and her husband, and I know Anne because of her CML story, actually, and uh, so we're going to talk about that, but I want to talk all about how you ended up living and doing your dream job and having your own business. How did this start? Did you always want to be a writer? Have you always been doing this, or how did you get into this? Well, it was a little bit of an accident. <laughs> uh, I've always loved to write since I always say since I learned the alphabet, I've been writing when I was in school, they would say, do you want to do like kind of an art project or do you want to write an essay? And I always chose to write an essay. I was always done before my friends who did poster board projects. So it's always been in my blood. When I went to college, I majored in economics and got into kind of data management sort of jobs. And in 2010, I was actually let go. I was laid off with uh, 11 of my friends and they really were my friends. We're still in touch, most of us. And a friend said to me, okay, what are you going to do now? And I don't know if you remember, Sarah, but in 2010, there weren't a lot of jobs. It was the housing bubble crash. Even folks who own construction companies were selling off their inventory and all their toys and all of that. I went to a networking meeting. It was called Career Connectors. It's still around here in the Phoenix area. And I actually met my first client there. Because there were no jobs, we were talking about things like reinventing yourself and using your skills in a different way, how to use social media. And I took it and ran with it. 
She, uh, this first client taught me how to post to social media. She taught me the first pieces of blogging. And honestly, when I look back, what she taught me in those first few years, I still use what she taught me, which is really neat. It's been 12 years now and uh, kind of started by accident. I tell people, don't start how I did. Keep your job, build your business. But I didn't even know I wanted a business. So that's how it was an accident. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're thrown into the deep end of the pool. And yes. I love how you went from working in like data and analysis to being totally creative and writing. I love that. And what that I question- loved, I was going to say what I loved about that job was nothing in the job description. I was actually doing a little like at a micro level, I was doing networking and marketing and I was actually writing the newsletter for our business division. So I had a little bit of a taste of it and I loved it. Oh, I love it. And sometimes that question of what are you going to do now? And you don't know the answer. I love how you went back and really thought about it and then happened to find your first client at a networking event. I love that. So you've been running your business since 2010. And then in 2020, you decided to launch your own agency. Uh, I see a theme here when things are going a little awry in the world, you like to make big leaps. So tell me about that. (laughs) Well, you know, we had a little downtime in 2020. I had been uh, cast a little bit of a wider net. So as a small business owner, I'm sure you can relate to this, Sarah. You kind of cast a wide net when you get started. And as you find the folks you like to work with or the companies you like to work with, you niche it down to more specifics. So there's a wide variety of topics that I've written. When I looked at who were my kind of favorite clients, which projects did I love the most, it really was working with agencies, working with marketing agencies. So in 2020, during that downtime, I took some time to study SEO, search engine optimization, and really thought about, okay, let's let's see, who do I really want to work with? And it's really partnering with agencies um, who maybe they have, they're doing website design and development, but they're not offering content to their clients. Those make good partners. And I have a really good partner right now. It may be someone who all of their uh, an agency where all of their writers are at capacity and they just need someone else to pick up a couple projects or write for a couple of their clients. And that's where I can help. Um, I'm also probably expanding into hiring my own writers later in the year, which is really exciting. I never Mm -hmm. thought I'd be saying that, but um, I've onboarded just this week, lots been happening. I've onboarded an assistant to take some of that admin work off so I can focus on writing and business development. And already I'm like, oh my gosh, all these to-dos can actually get done. I just can't do it with just my two hands. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it evolved. And I came out of COVID with a new website, agencycontentwriter.com, really focused on agencies. And I've got content on there answering really all the questions that I always get asked, which are, How do you work with agencies? What's your process? Um, I've got some uh, appearances where I talk about content and the importance of it for nonprofit organizations. So it's really um, 
it's niched down. And I think people get scared about that, right? Like, I don't know about you, but when you talk to your folks that you're coaching, that's scary to say, I'm only going to work with these three. Yeah. And what's beautiful about that is you don't, you don't have to say no to all the other people, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to say no to the other business. If a project sounds fun, say yes, absolutely. But if it doesn't fit and you're busy or for whatever reason you want to say no, you say, you know what, it just doesn't fit my business at this time. And it's, almost like it gave me permission to say no thank you and I think that's really important as we grow our businesses also yeah I love that so a couple years ago I stopped saying no actually because there's this whole I don't know about you but for me it was like oh I don't want to say no especially when somebody says I need your help it's like I want to help you everyone yes (laughs) I like three years ago I want to say I stopped saying no and when people would ask me for stuff I would say do you know who would be really great at that connection (laughs) yeah and it's it changed everything because then I didn't have to take it on but I made a meaningful connection for both of them to get things done so I I totally feel you on that now Many times when people set out to create things, they know they have this really clear goal of where they want to go. And sometimes, you know, there's shifts that happen. Like for you, you were laid off. I had that happen as well. I was thrown into the deep end of the pool as well. How do you get clear of where you want to go when everything seems to be awry? Oh, I would say take a deep breath write down all the things like just do a brain dump what I find or if if you'd like to speak speak into a recorder and play it back and take a look or listen what are the what are the topics that you're talking about the most who do you want to help where is your soul guiding you honestly like I go with my gut a lot where is it, where is it guiding you? And you'll, I promise you'll find your place. You'll find where you need to go. It, it's not perfect. It's, it's never perfect. Don't compare yourself to somebody who's been doing this for 12 years. Um, there's a quote about that. And there's a Dave Ramsey quote. And he said, I think his book was featured on Oprah as an Oprah pick. And he'd been doing his business for 15 years. And he says, oh my gosh, it took me 15 years to be an overnight success. (laughs) Like they couldn't publish his books fast enough. The place that was publishing was just too small for him. And so I really took, take that to heart. And I tell people that a lot because I think it takes a lot of work to build a business or build a venture or build a podcast or a website, like whatever it is, we've all had the first version of it. Mm -hmm. So go with your gut, go with your soul figure out what's all in your head. Like, what do you love to do? And how could you make that a business? Yeah. You know, there's artists that are, they paint. And what they do is they take their paintings and they make greeting cards or thank you cards, or um, like you add your card, your their art to your business card or playing card, you know, whatever it is, they're selling their art in a different way yeah. and getting creative so that they can still do their art, but they're also making money and building a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe hopefully now they're going to sell NFTs. Yes, yes, <laughs> I know. That's a whole big thing, Whole right? thing. Yeah. 
And I love this idea of, you know, your quote about it took 15 years for him to become an overnight success. And I think somebody else said this too. Many times we compare ourselves to somebody else's 15th chapter of their book when we're still on chapter number one. And you know, their first chapter of building their business or creating their goals or their dreams is very different than where they are now. So a lot of times we get stuck in our heads about that. Now, many of our listeners, they are looking to quit their jobs or create a side hustle. And you kind of mentioned it, that you wouldn't do, you wouldn't suggest quitting your job without building your business first, if somebody's looking to do that, how would you suggest they go about planning for that day that they can finally quit? Ooh, that's a big question. I think part of it depends on your own personal situation. So at the time I lost my job, I was supporting myself. So the trajectory of growth for the business was probably a little bit different. I said yes a lot and probably did a few projects that I was like, ugh, but they paid really well. So I took them because I didn't have the luxury of either a partner or having a job. So that's the first thing is look at your own personal situation and then um, maybe find a resource like a financial coach who can help you budget and save and kind of teach you how to do that without feeling like you're going without things and then start meeting people. There's networking groups that happen in the afternoons and evenings. You know, I'm assuming you work a nine to five. If you don't, you know, find those meetings, meet people, um, ask for, ask for those referrals. Call me and Sarah. We know a lot of people (laughs) Uh, because I love referring as well. And maybe a mentor, find someone who can mentor you like I mentor other writers. I'm sure you have done the same. Um, and you do coaching and uh, really building up folks who want to start their own business. So I think it's really evaluating your your situation and what's possible for you and what kind of lifestyle you want to have. And really the is the business something that is in demand? Does it solve a problem for people? Um, you know, I never would have said marshmallows would be a great business, but there's marshmallow businesses. People make marshmallows as a business. So you never know. <laughs> and slime, like these people who are making yeah. slime that looks like chocolate chip cookies and yeah. McDonald's fries. Never in a million years would I have said right, that. Like there was business. a pet rock in the seventies. So really, I guess you could do anything. I probably want it to be something a little bit more tested in the marketplace, but it's possible. Like there's all sorts of ideas that people have. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think look at your own, look at yourself and your own business. I think what's scary and what I hear from people is they don't want to go without that paycheck. And so that Mm -hmm. in and of itself is a really big leap for folks, right? Like you and I were thrown into the lion's den. We got thrown into the fire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's scary. I mean, I built in a very small scale while I had some severance and then I was like, holy bleepity bleeps. Yeah. (laughs) I got to do this. Um, But I love the hustle. I love, I don't think at any point I was negative Mm -hmm. um, or didn't want to build what I'm building. And that's And I think as well, I think it's, 
it helps. You talked about this as well, getting really clear and putting it all down on paper. And even if it's not where what you can do right now, like for example, I wrote out my whole org chart. I don't have those people, (laughs) but I know in the future when I plug things in, I know exactly what positions they're going to be in and what they're going to do. And there are things that I do today in my business that I do not enjoy, but I know when I can hire somebody exactly which position will be doing that that task. So I think it's really about getting clear and and mapping out that plan, even if that's not your current reality, because you can do anything for a certain amount of time. And when you have that plan and you turn that task over to somebody else, like I know you just uh, onboarded an assistant, it's so freeing because now you're able to do what you really, really enjoy. So I, I love that that concept of really getting clear and thinking about what you want in a reality. Now I want to switch gears a little bit because sometimes life throws you some curveballs, And I know, Anne, that you have been thrown a curveball. So let's talk about your CML story. And I know many people may not know what CML is. So I'm going to let Anne explain how she found out she had CML and then what happened after that. Thank you. Yeah, that was a big hiccup. I started my business in 2010. I met the man who's now my husband. We were married in March of 2016. And April, May, June, July, uh, four months, almost to the day, I was diagnosed with CML, which is chronic myeloid leukemia. Uh, It is an incurable form of leukemia. I take a pill every day. And I was telling Sarah before we got started, my leukemia has been undetectable, which is the best it can get. It's been undetectable for almost four years. In June, it'll be four years. And we're very excited about that. I never thought I would see boring blood work ever again. And I have boring blood work and I've had boring blood work, I think, for almost two years, which to me and means everything comes back normal, including the leukemia being undetectable. So all my organs are functioning, all my white counts are within normal ranges. Those are the ones that uh, fight infection. Uh, I haven't had serious illnesses. So I think it was a reset of my body, but I also think it was a reset of my soul, honestly. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. Um, I'm back to growing my business. And we're able to travel again, which is amazing. We're super careful when we do, because even though all that blood work is great, we know my immune system still compromised. So how I explain it to people is like, Sarah, you might get a cold for three days. I'll get a cold for seven. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. I don't want to risk getting the flu or COVID or anything like that. So we're pretty careful. Um, And when the whole world was wearing masks, I was like, welcome, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I had been doing that in crowded places for a few years. People who've gotten sick say, oh, I feel such fatigue or or got vaccines. And they said, oh, I felt such fatigue. I said, welcome to my world. This is me every day. Uh, They're like, I had to take a little nap in the afternoon. I said, that's about where I'm at. Um, Mm -hmm. That's probably the most severe of my side effects now. It was a long journey. And as I went along, there were a couple of things that I did. And I think. as 
business owners or people that want to grow a business, it's important that when we get a diagnosis, we really examine what's most important and where can we put our energy. And growing a business back in 2016 was just not, I wasn't physically capable of doing it. I had a lot of brain fog and fatigue and severe nausea and bone pain and all the things that go along with cancer, chemo, all of it, even though it's just a pill. Um, so I took a step back from the business. It was still a going concern, but not a huge one. I got my health kind of in order. And I, I realized a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, that I could do admin work. But doing that deep work of writing, my brain just wasn't quite there yet. I had a friend who needed help at her law office. And I said, let me help you. And so we actually grew her law office. She has a whole team of people now. We got systems wow. set up and policies and procedures put in place. I did that for two and a half years. And it was a perfect exit at the end of last year. And my business has, has flourished. I knew it was time because I was getting busy. And I was like, how do I balance all of this? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, I could have looked at that as a step back, but I didn't. I really saw it as a way to heal myself and get back in the game kind of, of working and working with someone who was also building her business because women own businesses, like cheers yeah. to all of you, right? We want to support yeah. each other. And it was a really fun journey. And we became really close friends. Um, and literally since my last day at that office, business has been really, really great. And I'm very blessed to have that. One of the other things that I learned is that through this CML journey is that nothing fell apart. When I looked mm -hmm. back, I was like, okay, the bills got paid, but maybe a little bit late. We got my meds, even if we had to put up a fight with an insurance company. <laughs> we, I, that's a whole other, so that's a whole, that's other, a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, whole other series. <laughs> yes. We partnered with Leukemia Lymphoma Society and raised about $40,000 in four years. Like that was a nice little side gig um, to, to be able to do that and serve the community, even though we were going through something so big. Um, so nothing fell apart. Like the dog didn't run away. He might've gotten walked by a dog walker. <laughs> so keep that in mind too. When those bumps happen, that it doesn't all fall apart. We've always said we choose hope and we choose joy. And that has brought us through a lot. So as I was feeling better and I was working with my, my friend's office, I, I said, you know what? I have to get all these thoughts out of my head. I really, I kept staying on social media. And I don't know if you do too, if you're in these groups, but there were a lot of questions from CML patients that kept coming up that were questions that I had, questions that other patients that I've met had. And I kept offering my guidance over and over and over. And when I sat back, I said, gosh, what do I tell my clients, my writing clients? I tell them whatever people are asking you all the time, let's write about that for your website. Yeah. Let's blog about that, right? Like, let's do a podcast about it. Let's do a video, whatever it is that is your marketing campaign at the time. Let's, let's do that. And I thought, well, gosh, I need to do that for CML patients. So I wrote a list of questions and got an outline together and interviewed different folks who could help, whether it was a publisher or an editor. 
And I found, um, I went back to my friend, Christine and said, Christine, I've known you, I know, I've known her a long time too. It's so funny. Everybody comes back around. I feel like yep. it's so wonderful. And I said, Hey, I know you do technical writing. I also think you do some editing and would you at all, is this a project that you'd be interested in helping guiding me through? And she was. And so together, this is a book. We don't get to ring the bell. Mm, I love it. And the reason it's called that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's called, we don't get to ring the bell. My CML story. The um, page for that is mycmlstory.com. And I called it, we don't get to ring the bell because the CML patients, we don't go to traditional chemo or radiation. Our course of treatment is for a lot of us is basically forever until there's a cure. So we never get to ring that bell at the doctor's office. And so I hear it ring and I'm like, oh, I don't get to ring that bell. Mm-hmm. And when I started sharing the book with other, you know, in CML groups, they were like, oh my gosh, like the title of the book made me cry. And then I started to cry. I was like, I wrote it for you. Like every single person, I'm like, I wrote it for you. And I really did. I get goosebumps because mm-hmm. I kept all of them in mind. Like I pray for all of them. I pray for the ones that we've lost. And I know you have a connection to CML. And um, I just, I just think you're so brave and talking to me because I know the story that you have was different. And um, so I really appreciate that. I really appreciate your support over the years yeah. and being here today, honestly, like that's, Yeah, that I I mean, I don't know. That's kind of the journey in the nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, uh, well, thank you, first of all, for sharing and your journey is so inspiring. And the fact that you are there for other patients, you know, I think whenever something happens that is not positive or not, you know, what we expected, you were off doing your thing. You just, you just got married, right? Four months after. Yeah. yeah, just got married. And then now you are turning around and paying it forward for other patients. And I think that's really what, you know, what I've done and, and what you've done really helps other patients. And so for the listeners who don't know, and mentioned it, I actually lost my brother when he was 20 to CML. And I don't know what, um, what pill you take, but my brother was on what was called the Gleevec trial way back when. And unfortunately he actually did not pass from leukemia. He had a couple heart attacks. So he had cardiac arrest and that, that, that often happens because of the treatment that people are going through. And he had more of a traditional leukemia treatment because at that time there wasn't a pill. And then Gleevec became one of the pills that CML patients are able to take every, every day. And the difference between CML and other leukemias, as Anne mentioned, is there is no, you're done. (laughs) It's ongoing. There's no, you know, you're clear, ring the bell, your treatment's over. The treatment keeps going. And, and I think the reason that I do what I do, which is to raise money for the leukemia. Well, I know the reason I raise money for the leukemia society is my brother's treatment was very different than Anne's, and that is because of the work that the Leukemia Society has done in funding research. And someday we will have a cure, and then hopefully Anne will be around to write the book about how she was part of helping to find a 
cure and all that I'm stuff. I keep so, waiting for that clinical that I qualify for. They're doing testing on my first one. The reason it's incurable is because we still have CML stem cells. So even though it's undetectable, I still have the cells. There is still a risk, right? So yeah. we want to keep my immune system as efficient as possible as it can be. So they're actually testing, and I know it's being tested in mice. I don't think, I don't know that they're doing human trials yet, but um, it is a pill that I would take with. I do take Levex, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a pill that we would take in conjunction with it that would actually kill the stem cells. Oh, so wow. I get goosebumps. It's on the horizon. I mentioned actually in my book that there was something that was almost ready for FDA approval. It's called a Mm-hmm. A-S-C-I- however they, they all have we'll names that we'll find it um but that's basically if you failed out of the other treatments the other medications you can take that one that was fda approved in october and we were just going to print so oh, <laughs> we'll that's wow. the next version also wow um, i love it so, yeah i really think there's there's a cure very close on the horizon i'm very excited and like i said i'm waiting for the clinical because i'll go People were brave before me to go into a clinical to say, would you like to take a pill for your cancer? Like, how crazy was that in 1999, yeah. 98? Well, you can either do a stem cell transplant or you can take a pill. Like, we don't really know what the pill's going to do or the stem cell transplant, frankly, but it's mm-hmm. the best chance you have. Like, I can't even imagine. But that's yeah. how it was back then. Yeah. And my brother lost his battle in 2000. So he was in that process in 99. Oh, right on yeah. the right, right there. So sorry. Yeah. And, yeah. Thank you. And I think one of the things that I want to share with the listeners is that no matter what your goal is, or no matter what your idea is, somebody is going to think that you have a crazy idea and that you should not pursue it. And I always like to tell the story it was a different type of cancer, but of Dr. June, who way back when said, I want to take the HIV virus and re-engineer it to kill cancer cells. Do you know how many people told him that he was nuts and that this would never be possible and he shouldn't produce, he shouldn't go down this road and it wouldn't be easy and he'll never get funding. I mean, for days, weeks, years, people told him that. And then he found the funding and now that's a successful treatment for many cancer patients that has been FDA approved. And so even if you have this totally wild idea that people tell you will not work, if you know it will, and you put in the time and effort, you can find the supporters and the people to help you make it a reality, no matter how big or scary it is. And even if you don't even know if it will work or how to get there the first couple steps, because all of the things that have ever been invented or created, I, and mentioned the pet rock, you know, <laughs> somebody had something to say about that at some point and could have really killed and crushed that goal. And had that happened for Gleevec or any of the other treatments and would have a very different story. So if they had given up other things, you know, wouldn't have come to fruition. What? how CML operated in like, they figured out it was different. And I think kind of what it did in like 1959, 
Mm-hmm. And it was studied through the 70s and then just kind of dropped off the, the radar. It's We're not a huge population. Mm-hmm. So I think there was time and money spent with other diseases and cancers that had a bigger population. And yeah. in some sense, I get that. But in another sense, like there's still people dying from yeah. something you know how it operates. So yeah. Dr. Drucker up in uh, Oregon is still studying CML. He said, okay, now it's managed. Let's find a cure. So I'm fully convinced that he will find it, mm-hmm. but he was told no also. Yeah. The FDA told him like, yeah. that might not have even happened. And that's how far we were into that research. Yeah. So yeah. If you've got a goal, go find your people, make it happen. There's all yeah. sorts of crazy things. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Blind, pet rocks. I mean, you know, cure for cancer, whatever. <laughs> yeah. If you have the cure for cancer, we would love to hear about it as well. Well, anyway, everyone, I thank you, Anne, for sharing your story, not only of your CML story, but your, your journey to finding what you truly were meant to do. I know when you talk about what you do, when I see you on social media, you can tell you have truly found your calling. And even though your journey was not a straight line from start to finish, it is truly a beautiful journey. So thank you for sharing that with us. For everyone listening, if you are compelled to help us on our quest, I know Anne and her husband are big supporters of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, and we are on a quest to find a cure for all blood cancers. You can support us. We have, I have a legacy team that raises money every year. And since 2018, we've raised over half a million dollars, which is bananas to say. And our goal is to raise a million dollars by 2025. And that team is called Be Positive because I had a friend who had ALL who found out during her treatment, her blood type was be positive. So she added a little bumblebee to it to make it pretty. And that was a shirt that she wore for her treatment. Unfortunately, Brandy passed in 2018. So if you would like to support the be positive team and help us on the quest to find a cure for cancer, you can visit be positive, B E E positive cures.com and check out our story and also make a donation. And then I will link Anne's story and her book in the show notes as well. And if you're looking for a content writer now, or that is somebody who is on your future org chart, definitely check out Anne. So Anne, if somebody wanted to work with you, how would they get in touch? Sure. Uh, I have a scheduling link for an initial consultation on my website, agencycontentwriter.com, as well as uh, my phone number. So give me a call, schedule some time. And then the book is available, mycmlstory.com, available through Amazon. Oh, perfect. I love it. All right, bold goal crushers. Remember, no matter what bumps in the road you are dealt or what hand you are dealt, that your goal is always achievable and we're here to support you. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold Goal Crusher podcast where we crush goals and everything that gets in the way. I always love to support my community. So feel free to text the word goal to 480-530-5368. Again, 480-530-5368 and the word goal. 
and then tell me all about your goals and dreams. Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to seeing you crush your goals this year.